The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Gowan Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. We've got an interesting one today, Spartan Resources, trades under the code SPR, last sale price of 39 cents for a market cap of around $340 million. Now, Spartan would be, would be known to uh, a lot of people previously as Gascoigne Resources, um, a name change uh, tells a tells people a lot of things, and we'll get into that in a moment. But I'll just mention that it owns the Dalgaranga 2.5 million tonne per annum uh, gold treatment plant in the Murchison, about uh, 65 kilometres northwest of Mount Magnet. And it's uh, made one of the best gold discoveries in recent times in the shadows of that mill, which has changed the story dramatically, which is why the stock is up uh, roughly four times since March. And it's the story is not stopping there. So let's get into it. We've got Simon Lawson, the MD and CEO with us today to bring us up to speed on just what Spartan's up to. G'day, Simon. Welcome to the podcast. G'day, Fitzy. How are you going? Good, mate. That's an interesting story here. Let's go back to November 22, not that long ago. There was a, uh, a pretty tough decision you guys made. Uh, just tell us what uh, the background to that was and how this uh, uh, this discovery never never has changed the story dramatically since yeah no it's a pretty it's a pretty easy story to tell uh, hard decision to make I suppose as you as you allude to there we uh, we made a pretty significant discovery early in 2022 uh, and I suppose with our cash position at the time with our operation and the production through the Gilbys uh, open pit struggling cash flow wise and having that amazing discovery just to the north of that pit which essentially started as an extension uh, to that Gilby system uh, and then turned into something really special about midway through that year we realized um, something very different was going on there was you know 54 meters at six and a half and 59 meters at 12 and a half very different grades to what had been seen before the mineralization was you know a lot more intense uh, and I suppose that we had that sort of two-speed uh, economy within our business, which was we were loss-making or, or very marginal on our production and, and incredibly uh, well-endowed and, and starting to look like we were growing something pretty special at the other end of the pit. So we, we had to make that tough decision late in 2022 to turn that plant off and, and cease mining operations. Uh, and that was done to secure uh, that discovery that we'd made and also the value of our mill that sits next to it. And that was... You know, I suppose when I look back on it now, it seemed like an easy decision, but at the time we had to let quite a few people go. They obviously all went and found jobs, but, you know, that, that is a tough decision to shut shut down mining operations. So at the, uh, before November, you are producing gold, but uh, the treatment plant was processing 0.8 uh, grams a tonne gold. What's this never, never um, high, high grade? I think the last... Um, uh, MRE was uh, 5.85 grams gold. So obviously changes things dramatically f- looking out to the future. So I'm just wondering 
what sort of plan do you have for the future in terms of getting back into production, given that the, the gold price is as strong as you would like? Yeah, look, and and that's what it's all about. It's this is this plan in February uh, this year, we recapitalised the company to the tune of uh, fifty million dollars uh, at ten cents. Um, we put that money in on the back of a very solid plan, uh, and we're delivering on that plan at the moment. And that plan is centred around creating a plus five year mine plan with a very healthy head grade uh, projected. Uh, and I suppose we we were confident enough to go out and we we sought some backers at the time and we had some good backers come in and cornerstone on the belief that we could make that happen. Uh, and the I suppose it's it's borne out since then in in that rise in share price and the interest that we're seeing from the investment market. The gold price obviously staying very strong and at record highs um, certainly doesn't hurt. Uh, but delivering some of the most incredible drill hits I've I've seen in my sort of twenty year career. Uh, and having worked for some of the, you know, the biggest names in the business with some of the best operations around, to, to be able to see those, see those sort of hits in front of that plant is is, is pretty crazy. So we are uh, we're on track uh, to produce better than a five year mine plan. Um, obviously, it's it's limited what I can say without proving it with the metrics. But we are currently underway uh, putting reserves around our resource, which is as you point out, five point eight five grams a ton, seven hundred and twenty one thousand ounces. Uh, less than 600 metres from that infrastructure. So we're pretty excited about what we think the future holds. Uh, and what's really exciting is that this system that we've found in, in Never Never is one of uh, one of many, uh, and we're, we're sitting about proving that at the moment with our drill rigs. So we've got four rigs on site, um, big program underway. We've got five and six rigs turning up uh, within the you know, by the end of this month, uh, and that is to accelerate what we what we think we've found, which is repeats to the system, uh, and we think we can multiply those those high grade ounces. Now, fortunately, you're a geologist. Uh, you mentioned um, early in your career, you were one of the uh, founding members of the uh, Northern Star team that went from uh, junior to the biggest gold producer in Australia once Newcrest is seen off. Um, the never never discovery was a different style. Sits at right angles to the uh, traditional north-south orientation of the most of those uh, Dalgaranga deposits. So you think there's more out there? Yeah, 100%. And and that's, uh, I suppose, when we looked at Never Never really closely, and we did get quite sort of tunnel vision on that because it was our, our sole focus having, you know, shut down the operations and we pulled that geology team back to the core members and we really focused in on that high-grade mineralisation and we drilled it and we looked at the core and we looked at the chips uh, but I did pull in quite a few mine geologists and the chief geologist uh, now at the company was the geology manager on site. And the comment kept coming back to, to you know, the management team that they'd seen this kind of mineralization before. And that was back in the Gilby's pit. And I suppose from my point of view, having had to shut that, that mine down, um, looking back at it and trying to pretend or, or think that there was some very high grade um, aspects to that pit, needed some some evidence and some proof and and the guys delivered that you know those those geologists went back into their sort of archives they went back through the reconciliation data we had a record quarter in march last year we were producing some of the best gold that dalgaranga has ever produced uh, and the reasons for that were we were mining high grade structures within that pit as a diluted overall uh, grade and and that was wasn't recognized at the time and it took us this sort of evolution through never never to look back at the past and say, well, actually, right in front of us is a, is a couple of these structures. And that's actually the reason that the Gilby's Pit exists, is these high-grade structures are manifesting uh, as a broader, low-grade 
deposit overall, but within that deposit, you have these right angle structures. So we're we're drilling those frantically at the moment because we're really excited that we think we've uh, we, you know we're onto a number of these high grade structures. Now, one of the beauties, of course, is there's nothing better than having a deposit like Never Never in, sitting in front of a mill. Um, which distinguishes you obviously from explorers out there who might have nice deposits, but they haven't got a mill. Mills have, have got very expensive to build and uh, time-wise uh, very challenging. I'm just wondering, do you have a feel for what it would cost to replace that mill if you had to? Yeah, look, it, and that's really, really pertinent to the current situation. Um, I suppose there's nobody in our industry that would argue that costs have increased uh, over the last couple of years. And I'd say within the last six to 12 months, while it may not be evident to everybody, the amount we're paying for, you know, just regular things on a daily basis, your petrol, your food, your beer, things like that, we all know that they've increased in price. Um, to build a plant at the moment is incredibly difficult. And you only have to look at, uh, you know, the likes of Bellevue who are incredibly focused on what they're doing at the moment. And they have managed to, you know, put that that mill together. But I think they really you know, started to come into some, some difficult times at the end there. And if you had to try and build another mill from start now, uh, whether you could do it is actually the question. Um, the, the amount it would cost, I used, to, I used to quote, you know, sort of 170 to $250 million, depending on whether it's just the plant alone or the power station plant, camp, airstrip, um, you know, all that infrastructure that we are blessed to have. Um, the tailings facility, everything that people need to process gold we have, uh, to try and replace that now would be, you know, it would be over $300 million. And, and I'm happy to discuss that with, with anyone, but that's that's almost our market cap. You know, it's, it's quite incredible. Obviously, uh, you're in a part of the world where there's uh, lots of other players, um, thinking of West Golds and Romelius and others, and those two alone have been uh, the most uh, acquisitive of quote unquote stranded deposits. You're a bit different. You've got a mill, but uh, Westgold did make a have a crack at the company a few years ago. I'm just wondering, not necessarily needing you to comment on that, but I'm just wondering, do you feel vulnerable at all? Given you've just more or less justified the market cap on the treatment plan alone and you've got one of the best discoveries in the shadows of it. Yeah, look, uh, we obviously feel um, the interest. We, we think that we're... Um, you know, building a very strong story and we have the answers that other people may or may not have. Um, we think the Murchison is a great place to be and it's tribute to the fact that, you know, Silver Lake, West, West Gold, Remilius, and a number of other players are in this area. And we've got a bunch of juniors that are coming through. Obviously, Musgrave was, was taken off the boards, um, but you've got Great Boulder to the north. And a lot of us are delivering some really good results, you know, all, the, all down the sandstone road there. I think there's an incredible opportunity for... Uh, M&A in our region. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, we necessarily are just uh, prey for the predators. I think that we're, we're starting to build ourselves a strong story. I think we, we're building a, a long mine life operation here. Um, and if that's attractive to someone else and they want to come and have a chat, that the door's always open. But for us, our number one focus is to, is to get this done, to, to make this operation uh, viable, to come back uh, very strongly and, and to take this sort of rebranded uh, Gascoigne Resources, now Spartan, um, to, to really, you know, drive it home that high grade is our absolute focus. We have the infrastructure, the costs to restart are very low. Um, and, and as I said, if that's attractive to, to other parties, and it should be, uh, having worked within that sort of environment within 
uh, mid mid cap to to you know major gold producers. I, I know what they're looking for. They're looking for ounces, and it's cheaper to buy them sometimes than to go and find them, and it's certainly faster. So that we we understand where we are in the world. It's it's not early days. You're moving uh, nicely through that uh, twelve to eighteen month sort of um, uh, restart. Program, but I was just wondering when you do come back, what what's a rough idea of what the uh, gold production might be? Yeah, look, so we're targeting 130 to 150 thousand ounces a year, which you know might seem quite sort of incredible to people uh, who may have or may not have known the previous iteration of the company. But when you look at the grades that we're defining and the widths, uh, you know, I've just bought a reserves engineer on uh, a guy who started as a GM of mining, and he is blown away by uh, how how profitable he thinks this mining is going to be. Obviously, I, I can't speak to the metrics at this stage, but I'm excited to see a guy with that much experience get really, uh, you know, super optimistic about what he's doing and he's coming into my office with these plans. And I just think, you know, that's an, it's an incredible opportunity for a young engineer uh, with a lot of experience, uh, as he is, to come in and, and start to build a new mine. Uh, and for us to continue to drill with up to six rigs over the next you know, three months going into Christmas, it's it's really important for us to just keep that foot on the pedal uh, and, and start to convert some of that resource to reserve and the reserve to a mine plan. And, and I think we can deliver on that 130 to 150 a year. But what I'm really focused on is how much more than five years can we add to this? Can we make it a, you know, can we dare to dream and go seven to 10 years? Uh, what an incredible opportunity that would be to come back to the market in the middle of next year with a potential restart decision, as we said we would, uh, with a seven to 10-year high-grade mine plan producing 130 to 150,000 ounces a year. That would be, you know, an amazing sort of standalone feature within the gold investment community. Yeah. And that sort of scenario, does that uh, is that at uh, Dalgaranga alone or would you be pulling in? Because you do have other interests in uh, both the... Uh, in the Murchison and the uh, Gascoigne, uh, will they be part of the, when we get to see the metrics, uh, we get to see the mine plan, that sort of stuff, will there be uh, regional deposits uh, part of the plan or is it solely on Dalgaranga and the uh, Never Never? Yeah, look, I, it's a really good question and obviously I exist within the company having been acquired uh, as Firefly Resources, bringing the Yelgu project with me. So, it's a reasonable question that a lot of people ask. It's 110 kilometres away from the Dalgaranga plant. And what we're dealing with at the moment is an incredibly high grade deposit and potentially repeats of that kind of system within two kilometres of that plant. So our focus is primarily on building a mine plan that is absolutely transparent and, and that has, uh, you know, some pretty obvious metrics to it. And if you're building high grade resource and reserve ounces and a mine plan within two kilometres of that plant, the costs of extracting that and getting it into that plant are obviously, you know, going to be as low as they possibly can be. If we're dealing with something that's 110 k's away, there's a bit more of a capital challenge there and everyone knows that capital is hard to come by at the moment. So what I'd like to do is present a case that makes sense within two kilometres of that plant on granted mining leases because I think it's important that Gascoigne, now Spartan, comes back to the market with this really high integrity story that is so easy to understand and, and it's, you know, it's it's a no-brainer, if you like. Um, Yalgu certainly plays into the longer-term plan because I think, you know, once we can demonstrate that we can make money uh, consistently. And I think that's, you know, everyone's always looking for quarter on quarter performance and delivery on, 
uh, expectations. And for us, we've got to hurdle that first, right? So restart decision middle of next year. Should we choose to turn the plant back on, we'll have a very solid mine plan that we'll be very transparent about and the market will fully understand what we intend to do. I am looking at a very um, a low capital restart and, and a very high free cash flow kind of environment for the first two years at least with the never, never open pit uh, right in front of that plant. We have an incredible opportunity for you know high grade oxide ounces at, at 2.2, 2.4 grams a tonne to, to go into that plant blended with that sort of eight gram underground uh, material from never, never. We get ourselves into a position where we're putting that into the plant we're going to generate a lot of free cash flow in the first couple of years, and that will help to fund the capital required to go and do these other things, and that is to expand out from Delgaranga. And if that means bringing in Yelgu, we'll demonstrate how we do that as well. So when you do start making money, I see that you've uh, there's a nice little asset there, tax losses, uh, $250 million. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I suppose that's one of the advantages of, uh, of uh, having been in a you know, a fair bit of strife earlier on with a lower grade deposit is that you do accumulate a lot of tax losses. So when you actually start making money, you can you can offset. So, um, you know, it's it's generally not something that people see as a as a major opportunity. But we obviously recognise that we've got an incredible opportunity in front of us that can generate a lot of uh, free cash, and and we love the fact that we'll be able to offset some of the tax obligations there. Now, I understand most of the the company's uh, naming practices. Um... You know, the Gilby's Pit and Never Never, uh, both fine versions of uh, gin. Um, and the name change from uh, Gascoigne to Spartan. Obviously, uh, Dal is not in the uh, Gascoigne, but Spartan. Is there anything in particular? Uh, my Greek friends uh, talk about, you know, disciplined, fearless, etc. cetera. Uh, is, is that the, the sort of um, attitude you, you're embedding in the company? Yeah, look. Uh, the the gin thematic. Um, if we just talk about that one first. I, I'm a bit massive gin fan, right? So, <laughs> so when I came into Gascoigne, I was I was super excited because to have a bunch of deposits named after gin, and I'm happy to follow in that uh, theme. But I certainly brought it back to Australia because a lot of the deposits were named after you know your your typical London dry gins. Um, the Gilbys and the Gordons and the Tanquerays. And for me, it was important to put an Australian flavour on it. So our very first sort of naming convention, our, our first deposit, was a pretty special one. Um, we did rename what was the Greencock Prospect, uh, which, you know, it's a gin, but I, I didn't think it was that market-friendly, that name. So I changed it to Archie Rose, which was a, an Australian gin. But then pretty soon after that, we, we obviously... Uh, came live with the the Never Never deposit, and that is an incredibly delicious gin from South Australia. So, for us, we're following in that in that uh, vein. We have the the four pillars and the West Winds uh, prospects that we're drilling out right now. They're the high grade structures in the Gilby's Pit. They are both very good Australian gins. One of them is from uh, the area that I currently live in, down in the southwest of WA. So. Very proud to be able to put an Australian flavour to these gins because I think it's been a, a resurgence recently in, in that gin market. Now, I suppose going to the Spartan uh, naming convention or the, the name, that is that is a little bit controversial. I've had a few people say to me, why Spartan? The, the reason is this little team that we have here has gone and, and fearlessly approached what is quite a difficult situation. You shut down a plant, you stop mining operations, you have to let some people go, you have to have some tough conversations with your creditors. And we, we rode all the way through that 
with our heads up. Like we we knew that this was going to be hard, but we had a goal. And our goal was to go and succeed and, and come through the other side of that and start to really project, uh, you know, this high integrity model. Our strength is our fearless approach is to not, um, you know, stuff around it is to get stuck straight in. That's why we're going up to six drill rigs when other people are starting to carve back on their exploration budgets. We really are getting stuck into this. We want to deliver uh, an incredible story in a short time frame. And I think, you know, <laughs> if you watch if you watch the 300 movie, which is obviously very historically inaccurate, uh, it's it's very much a, a you know a media story. But uh, everyone in this office is behind that brand. That that's not so much for the market. That was for for me to give a brand and a and a, a logo and an image for our team to follow to get behind and it has been incredibly uh effective uh my guys are spending sending emails talking about team spartan every day you know and and to have that cohesion to have that team aligned and engaged uh behind what is a really successful story and, and it's super exciting is you know it's it's an incredibly uh powerful uh, thematic to carry through to have a team that's all working in the same direction. I saw it with Northern Star. We we had a leader. We had Bill Beeman there, who you know his vision was to build this West Australian-based gold company. Uh, in the early days, we were you know very cash poor and and very optimistic. And and to me, that entrepreneurial spirit was what kept us going. And you know, within seven months, we paid off our first asset. And you know, everybody knows the story, but. I came away from that just thinking, well, how do I take that approach and build it into the company that I run? And and to put that brand there and to have that logo on people's Hivers shirts, to have those polo shirts in the office, to have the big helmet on the wall in the front office, it is super meaningful. Simon, uh, we might be covering ground we've talked about here, but it's always a good idea, I think, just to give investors a bit of a... Uh, time map what they should be looking out for in the next six to 12 months yeah so obviously with the amount of rigs that we have uh we will be regularly putting out news flow um there is an expectation that we we need to put out some results at the moment which i'm happy to deliver on early next week um and that's just you know the, the fact that we just have so much work going on at the moment we have a lot of diamond rigs which takes a little bit of time to process but once those results start coming in it will be consistent you can imagine with six rigs, um, you know, four of them are primarily drilling um, core holes. The other ones are drilling pre-collars and some uh, some shorter uh, mineralization and resource definition holes. So we'll be delivering a lot of news flow over the next couple of months. Um, the big, I suppose the big deal for everyone to look forward to is a resource update to Never Never. It's the maiden resource updates or the maiden resources for uh, particularly West Winds, which I'm quite excited about at the moment. We are re uh, evaluating the Gilby's pit itself because to me when you've got eight gram 7.68 gram dirt at never never uh, and you mix that with open pit dirt which for the first couple of years three years will be the never never open pit if you can imagine a world beyond that never never open pit you start looking at Gilby's in a different way you start defining these high-grade structures within that pit there is a very real possibility we'll cut that pit back and that will provide that sort of bulk um, lower grade material that will help to fill up that mill, uh, which has been a, a you know a, a big concern for us. 
uh, I suppose, telling people we're going to build a five-plus-year mine plan is where's that going to come from? Where's that bulk going to come from? 2.5 million tonne per annum plant is a big plant. So, you know, for me, it, it's about getting all of that, all those pieces together, and that's what we're doing over the next six to 12 months is that we're demonstrating how we're going to put that together. That is, you know, resources, updates. By the end of this year, I want to have a reserve for um, – the never never deposit and possibly uh, the accessory resources that will come with that over the next three to six months. Uh, and I want to demonstrate uh, essentially a feasibility study because I think the market deserves uh, a good pre-fees that shows some real profit margin uh, from some high quality answers with some high quality infrastructure uh, in the gold space. And, you know, I think we, we have a really good chance of, of doing that. And that's, you know, good news flow over the next six to 12 months. That's what people can expect. Okay, there we go, folks. A remarkable story, transformational story uh, with uh, more to come. And if the makers of Never Never are listening in, uh, I can provide my address after that free plug by Simon earlier. Alrighty, Simon, great story. Thanks for your time today. Good luck with it all. We'll be watching with interest. All right, thank you very much, Fitzy. Cheers. Cheers.